Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Before we get started with today's show, I want to tell you guys about betonline.ag. It's that time of year, March Madness. Whether your team's on the bubble or in the big dance, rooting for Houston or Purdue, Big East or Big 12, BetOnline Sportsbook has you covered with all the props, odds, promos, and parlays for this year's March Madness. Use our promo code BLEAVE50, that's B-L-E-A-V-5-0, to get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit with the link in the description to this episode. BetOnline, where the game starts. Hello? Hey Kyle, how are you? Hello Razor, I'm doing fantastic today, how are you? I'm doing well, uh, I like to always give you a weather report here in central North Carolina in Chapel Hill, it's about 65 degrees, sunny, perfect spring day. Well I'm glad to hear that, uh, we have had rain for the past two days over here, but now we have sun for the first time since the past weekend, so glad to hear it. Yep. Well, Razor Rosenthal, as always, joining us here on the podcast. You can follow him on Twitter for all of his wonderful comments on the tennis world right now as they travel the international circuit at this time of the year. And of course, Razor is big into college basketball, and it is officially March 1st at the time of our recording, which means March Madness has officially begun. I know conference tournaments haven't officially kicked off yet. We're in the last weekend of the regular season, but... This is the big time. It's March Madness, and we're ready for what's going to be an incredibly fun conference championship week. Kyle, I've already reserved the table from 12 Eastern to maybe 11 Eastern at a local bar for day two of the tournament. So I think I'm ready to go. I'm excited. My favorite time of the year, you have also, you know, while March Madness is going, I know not many of your listeners probably care. It's also a huge tennis month with Indian Wells and the Miami Open all just combined with March Madness. Uh, great time. I can't wait. And, and as I've always alluded to, conference championship, my favorite money line parlay opportunities all year long. Well, so let's talk about conference championship week. Obviously, most teams have one or maybe two games left in their season at this point. So what are the storylines, the teams? What are you most looking forward to in conference championship week? Well, a Big 12. I mean, let's just get to the reality of the Big 12 uh, being so, so deep and so strong on any given night. Teams like Iowa State, who were kind of clinging on to a three seed in the Big 12 maybe two weeks ago, uh, they can't find themselves winning a game over the last two weeks. You know, they've lost some tough ones to West Virginia, Okie State, Oklahoma. So, you know, but they're still going to be such a dangerous team to, to, to compete against in Kansas City. I mean, Iowa State may probably be, and, and you'll see the standings, I'm sure, in front of you. I mean, they're probably, what, a five or six seed in the Big 12 conference standings, maybe even worse at this juncture. Uh, so it's not an easy path. There's no... There are no easy games in the Big 12 tournament. Even KU and Baylor as a one and two seed, uh, when they match up in the quarterfinals, whoever they play, it's going to be, it's, it's not going to be easy. And I think the difference between the Big 12 and other, other conferences is that those quarterfinal matchups between the one eight and the two seven, uh, should be pretty routine wins, especially, you know, I think for the SEC teams that are, 
that are playing really good basketball, like Alabama as a one seed. I can't imagine any, you know, eight or nine seeds going to give them any problems uh, down. And in, in, I think it's in Nashville, Tennessee usually is. But I think the Big 12 is going to be the tournament that most of the country is going to be eager to see. The Big 10, uh, I would say, is probably next in line. Obviously, you know, Purdue slipping, you know, Purdue's loss to, uh, at, at home against Indiana was quite disappointing as I believe a six-and-a-half-point favorite that Indiana gets run out of the gym by Iowa last night, and Iowa having the miraculous win against Michigan State. Michigan State down by 13, and Nebraska wins the game by 13 last night. Big Ten's tough to handicap. Michigan and Wisconsin fighting for their NC2A uh, rights and birth. They had an epic game on uh, Sunday in Ann Arbor where Michigan had to drain a three with one second left in regulation end up pulling away in overtime. So that's a really muddled conference as well. And I think some of those quarterfinal matchups are going to be intriguing. In the Big 12, going back a second to follow up. So Iowa State right now is eight and nine in conference. That would put them in sixth place. There you go. Right now. Yep. And um, they're they're sitting at in Lenardi's bracketology. They're sitting on the six seven line right now, which sure. makes sense given that yep. it seems like there's going to be somewhere between seven and eight Big Twelve teams in the tournament this year. So even though Iowa State's dropped four in a row, they're still hanging around the five six line in the AC or in the Big Twelve going into the conference tournament and. Uh, West Virginia, despite having a really tough start to the season, they're now uh, apparently in the tournament at this point. They're tough, man. And I tell you, Iowa State's the best team uh, in, in the month of February to not win a game. And what I mean, I mean, obviously, they're they're the worst team with, but you know, with what an zero and four in the last four games. But they're they're really good. And I just they just can't figure out a way to win. You just get on those streaks, and sometimes you just need to. Uh, flip a switch and just get away from the regular season and get to the conference championship, get to the NC2A tournament, and Iowa State could be a dangerous team. Um, Big East will be interesting. Marquette has really pulled away, Kyle. I mean, this is a good team. Um, not a ton of depth on Marquette, but I, I think that I've always thought this year watching Marquette play that they uh, just there was something missing, but apparently they are finding ways to win. I do like Creighton a lot more than I do like Marquette. When it comes down to depth, that's how you proceed through this tournament. Typically, there's always going to be a Cinderella that has no depth. St. Peter's last year, right? George Mason from 2004 when they made the Final Four. Shaka Smart's VCU teams from whenever that was in 2010 or 2011. There's always that one team. But I think if you you play with house money, you, you look at Creighton, I think, as the most uh, the deepest team in the, in the Big East. And I, I expect them to go maybe the furthest in the, in the, in the NCAA tournament. So you like Creighton over, say, I don't know, Providence or Xavier or one of these other teams that's at the top of the conference? I do, and I think that they're they're all really good. They're all have they all they are all capable of making a similar run to Creighton. I just like Creighton's experience. This is an, a, a team that has a very similar nucleus uh, compared to last year's team. Now, I think Creighton was on the eight nine line last year and and had to. I think they ran into a yes, one they were loss. because yeah. uh, they they beat my beloved San Diego State yeah, in the tournament. Yes, that's right. Yeah, they beat they beat the Aztecs, and uh, I, I think Creighton lost in the second round to a one seed. But Creighton's probably going to be higher, obviously, this year. I I would imagine uh, Lenardi and whoever else probably would have Creighton on the five line, maybe or the six line or the four line. Just depends on you know how they all how it all ends up in the Big East tournament. So Creighton's going to have a little bit easier path to the Sweet Sixteen this year. 
Creighton lost to the eventual champion Kansas Jayhawks last year, but they did only yeah. lose by seven points. Yeah, that was a good game. I remember that now Now that you mentioned that. Yep, that was a good game. Crane's a good team. I, I like them. They're my favorite Big East team. Marquette's been interesting because the only connection I have to Marquette, because I haven't been as big into college basketball, but it was so strange when Shaka Smart didn't get fired at Texas, but kind of seeing the writing on the wall took the Marquette job, which was, I believe, for a lesser pay. And obviously Marquette was kind of a middle of the the Big East program. That's usually how you end up firing your coach. But that thing turned around quickly at Marquette. And I feel like we're not giving Shaka Smart his flowers for how he's now turned around that program as well. Obviously, they had the Abilene Christian famous loss at Texas, but like they built Texas into a top 10 program and then leaves and immediately turns Marquette into a top 10 program. Yeah, he's a really good coach. The, obviously, what he did at VCU and, and kind of started to build the foundation in Austin, Texas as well. And now at Marquette, sitting on a 2-3 seed here in the NCAA tournament, nobody predicted that back in December that Marquette would maybe maybe be a bubble team. And now they're, they're all you know full speed ahead. Marquette, if they don't lose another game the rest of the, of the season and conference play, I mean, in conference tournament play, I can't imagine they – they probably have to be on the two line as the Big East champs. So, you know, Marquette's an, an incredible story along with Shaka Smart. He probably realized after a couple years of being in Austin, Texas, yeah, uh, people don't really care about what I'm doing here compared to what they what they do on the football field. I mean, the, the football team, even if they're five and six, is still going to attract a lot more people, uh, you know, into their sport than, than, than college basketball, unfortunately, at Texas. But um, good move for him. He went to an area where Big East is, I mean, people just, they have a lot of passion for Big East basketball, no matter where you are, whether you're in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, or, or New York City with, with St. John's. And it looks like it's the right call for Shaka, and uh, I think Marquette is. I I I don't love them making a big run, but it all it just all comes down to to the draw and and matchups. If they have a good matchup, then maybe they can you know solidify their spot in the in the in the regional final as a two seed. We'll see. I would imagine they've got a puncher's chance as a two seed because I'm looking at who the most probable twos are right now, and assuming Kansas is on the one line, you have three big 12 teams on the two line being Baylor, Texas, and Kansas State. So I would assume one of those teams is going to drop via losing in the quarterfinals of the big 12 tournament, or, I mean, even losing a semifinal game in the big 12 tournament to a team, you know, beating each other up and, and a conference championship out of the big East might carry some weight for Marquette because they'll, they'll pad that resume with victories against Xavier and Creighton. Texas is really talented, but they are just soft. And, and what, the, what happened in Waco, Texas was incredible. I mean, they, they come out of the gates. They're up 18-4, Kyle, on Saturday afternoon, about a three Eastern start, uh, Texas at Baylor. And they got, they got run out of the gym, even with an 18-4 lead. So uh, I, I love this Texas team as far as the talent and the personnel but I don't trust them at all. I think Kansas State is a, is a little more gritty than Texas. But the team that I trust the most in that conference is going to be Baylor. Let's see if Baylor can figure this out. Get the you know they they had some injuries. You know they've had a couple injuries here recently, but they found a way to navigate past Texas down by fourteen. 
uh, they have they have a great nucleus of guys. They have eight guys that are really good, and I think Baylor is the team to beat. Not in the Big Twelve championship because we all know that's Kansas's spot, right? I think Kansas probably figures it out once again. But in the tournament, man, if Baylor's matched up with the right one seed, if they're a two seed, look out for Baylor. They're, they're I think they're the best team in the conference. I'm so glad that we finally got around to this because I was uh, I was working at uh, the radio station. I think it was last Saturday or two Saturdays ago, and on the third TV was the Kansas and Baylor game, and Baylor was killing them early. It was in yes. Kansas. They were the number yep. one seed. And I look back later, it was like it went from 14 to Baylor up seven to Baylor's tied to Baylor's down five to Baylor's down 10. I just couldn't believe that Kansas. I mean, we saw Kansas do it last year. They were a second half team. They had the famous game against Miami where they outscored them by 35 points. But Kansas just wiped the floor with Baylor in the second half. And that that one took me back a little bit. That was a bizarre game. I think that I think what it shows you is that self is an incredible coach, right? Halftime adjustments, maybe the best in the country. What he did in the NCAA tournament against Miami, and what he did two week two weekends ago, like you alluded to on Saturday against Baylor. Uh, that game, of course, being you know in Lawrence, that helps a little bit, right? Instead of a neutral floor, that was an inexcusable loss by Baylor. They learned from their mistakes, though. They came out, you know, Texas, you know, came out with a lot of fire, and Baylor found a way to win. Baylor only led by one or two at the break. And then once we got to the 10-minute mark, Baylor really pulled away as the more the more uh, physical team and, and showing Texas that, hey, you know, if you're going to be soft, we're coming at you. And they did a great job. It was a hell of a win for Baylor. I think a big confidence boost uh, going into the postseason. Yeah, and it's interesting that I just connected the dots on Baylor and Kansas are the last two national champions, and they've yeah, had yeah. some awesome battles out there in the Big 12. By the way, I looked it up. Kansas outscored Baylor 55-26 to 26 in the second half, which is crazy to think about for any top 10 team. Nonetheless, a team like Baylor, who you're so high on potentially making a Final Four run and kind of going through it easy. Yeah, I don't understand that. You know, these you know, things are going to happen. You know, weird, crazy things are going to happen, whether it's the regular season or postseason. I have no explanation for Baylor to be outscored by uh, 29 points against anybody, whether it's Kansas or Oral Roberts. It doesn't matter. That shouldn't happen. And I'm sure that that Coach Drew obviously will remember that one as we get into March. <laughs> Oral Roberts is going to be great. They're going to be attorney team this year, they I are assume. A good team, yeah, they are. Yeah, yeah. That, that's going to be really fun to watch if they can pull off another magical run just like a couple of years ago now. Um, you mentioned the Big Ten briefly, and we talked about this the last time you were on on our college basketball crash course episode. But is the thing to watch in the Big Ten tournament just those quarterfinal matchups between bubble teams? Yeah, I, I think that if you're talking from a fan and not betting standpoint, I think those quarterfinal matchups are going to be massive. The, the, the teams that have to have it are Michigan and Wisconsin. They have to figure out a way to win a quarterfinal matchup. Now, it's not going to be easy. Kyle, you probably have the standings. You're next to a computer. I'm not. But I think Wisconsin is probably down to the 9 or 10 hole. Is that right? Um, they're pretty low on the seeding chart here. And they've had some good wins, but they're going to have to win a couple rounds in the Big Ten tournament. And they can. It's not impossible. They are good. They are experienced, but they can't go down second round and expect a bid. 
they'll be a bubble team if that's that happens. Same thing for Michigan. I would imagine Michigan is probably very high. They had a they've had a good conference record. Michigan's probably what? Are they a three or four seed in this tournament? So based on tiebreakers, there's a scenario where Michigan could go as high as the two seed with their wow, conference okay. record. Um, yeah. I don't know how the tiebreakers will work right now, but uh, Maryland, Northwestern, and Michigan are all 11 and 7. Uh, meanwhile, Wisconsin is all the way down on the 11 line right now. Yeah, I said 9 or 10. I want to give them hopefully some more credit than that. But it is fascinating how many times Wisconsin has lost against bad teams. I mean, Ohio State's a bad team this year, and Wisconsin loses to them. I think Ohio, I think Northwestern may have swept Wisconsin this year. It's just a bizarre year for the Badgers, but I think Wisconsin early on in the year had some good out-of-conference quad one wins to keep this hope alive. So if they're the 11 seed, they're going to play in that playing game against a pretty crappy team like a Minnesota, perhaps, and then they're going to have to win that next round of 16 match against a six seed, such as Sparty or Iowa or Illinois, whoever that six seed may be. And then you're going to have to win that quarterfinal match. And then they're probably in. So the quarterfinals of the Big Ten tournament for Michigan and Wisconsin are truly fascinating to me. Yeah, they also lost to uh, Fred Hoiberg's Nebraska team. So, That's bad. Uh... It's a bad loss. Yep. Yeah. And they're I mean, they're technically have a better conference record, but they've got no chance of making the tournament at this point just because or they have the same conference record as Wisconsin, but no chance of making the tournament for that team. So that's a bad loss. Wisconsin is still on the bubble, though, and they're surprisingly ahead of Penn State, which is interesting because Penn State's record doesn't look like a tournament team, but they are technically on the bubble at this point. And Lenardi has them as the next four out right now, or like the fifth team out of the tournament. So Penn State feels like they're in the same group as like the 9-10 seed right now. Penn State, Penn State's loss to Rutgers on Sunday night after being up by, I think, 132 points, it seemed like in the first <laughs> half, kind of shut the door for me as like, okay, this team has problems right there there's 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 something wrong with Penn State because they have a good nucleus as well I mean they don't have a lot of depth but the starting five for the Penn State Nittany Lions one to five right is not there's not a big difference between them and Purdue I mean they played Purdue really tight in that game I don't remember I I think it was a it had to be under single digits I remember sweating that Purdue money line against Penn State I, I think I have that right. I, you know, so many games that I bet I can't even remember some of them. I get them all mixed <laughs> up. But um, I think Penn State's starting five. I think you can match them. Same thing with Michigan State. I, I think Michigan State's underachieved tremendously. Um, this, th- those two teams, their starting five can match up with anybody in the Big Ten conference. But Penn State blows games way too frequently. That Rutgers loss was a killer for the NCAA tournament. I felt like if they can beat Rutgers, win one more regular season game, get to the quarterfinals uh, in Indianapolis, you could see Penn State in that Dayton game as an 11 seed, or maybe if they're even lucky, they get in as a 10 seed. But their, their door is closing very quickly after that Rutgers loss. At the top of the Big Ten, is it becoming Purdue and Indiana still and everyone else? Because last week or the last time you were on, you talked about it, it was Purdue, Indiana up there. Is it becoming that even more? 
I thought it was Indiana, really. I, you know, I, I have no explanation for the senior night loss last night in Bloomington. Uh, they got run out by Iowa. Who, who saw that coming? 22-point um, loss. <laughs> that's unbelievable. Uh, Purdue lacks depth, right? They've gotten away with a lot of wins because even if you were put on my shoulders – and I had to carry you, we're still not going to be able to hang with, with Zach Eady, right? I don't even think our our heights combined would make a difference. I, I think teams are figuring out, you know, okay, how, how do we how do we double Eady? And so Eady hasn't had that monster late February, and the results have shown. Like Purdue losing to IU at home was not too surprising. I think they've had a couple stumbles here. You can look at their schedule over the last three weeks. They're, they haven't been exceptional, right? Um I don't think there's anyone that is truly the best or top two teams in the Big Ten. I got to give Iowa a lot of credit. What they did against Michigan State was ridiculous. Let's just throw that out. That That's the biggest collapse I have seen in the last five years in the regular season. I don't know if you saw the highlights or watched it live. Michigan State up 13 with maybe 90 seconds left on the clock and gets run out in overtime. Uh, and then the win last night in Bloomington was extremely impressive. So, listen, I was capable of making a run. Their their team is old. They have veterans. They have guys that have been there since 1998, it seems like. Uh, <laughs> I don't have a big lean on the Big Ten Conference Championship next week. I really don't. I, I don't think you should feel good about betting Purdue preflop to win this event. I don't think you should feel great about IU, anybody but if I'm going to say the top four teams to me as far as talent goes and capability, I got to throw in Michigan State and Iowa. Even though Michigan State had a major collapse against Iowa, I think they're really good. And you got to love Izzo. I, I trust this team. Let's go with IU1, Purdue 2. I think Michigan State's better than Iowa. Obviously, they're up 13 with 90 <laughs> seconds to go. They're the better team. Very fluky loss. I like Michigan State as the third best team. And I'll, 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 I'll say Iowa's the four. Listen, Maryland and Northwestern are great stories. But I just don't think they're any threat to any decent teams in the NCAA tournament. And I also think Northwestern is capable of being bowed out in the quarterfinals of the Big Ten championships if they play a Michigan State or even a Wisconsin. I, I just... You know, Chase Hodge is a really good player. They do have some good players. Chris Collins has proven himself as a very good coach. I don't trust Maryland or Northwestern in these spots. I, I think Iowa and Michigan State are the two next best teams in the conference behind the two Indiana schools of IU and Purdue. Sounds like you're leaning more towards betting the games as they go along yes. in the tournament. Yes. I'm not betting any pre-flop conference champions. Maybe Alabama. Maybe. I just have to see what my price tag is. Alabama, to me, is clearly the best team in the SEC. The ACC, which we haven't talked about here in my backyard, boy, I I don't know how you can bet that preflop. That's tough. <laughs> That's a mess. I think, I think, I think your, uh, your beloved Miami Hurricanes might win the conference championship, which is wild to think about. Well, I told you on, on, on your pod, maybe whatever it was, 10 days ago or so when we previewed March, I, uh, March Madness and, and the college basketball crash course, I should say, I think Miami's the best team. You know, they had another, that was another fluke loss on Saturday. You see that Florida State won with a nearly half court three to end the game down in Coral Gables. Uh, it was Miami the first is, time in 25 years that a ranked team had a 23 point lead at halftime yeah. and lost to an unranked opponent. <laughs> 
I don't know how that happens. It happened, though, so it, it, you have to accept the loss if you're Miami. I still think they're the best, the most physical team in the conference. UVA is the smartest team in the conference, and Carolina is the most talented team in the conference. So now Carolina is on a little bit of a winning streak, right? Um, you know, lost to NC State, which was great for my Wolfpack. NC State hasn't won a game since. But the win at Notre Dame was a little dicey, but then, you know, coming back and really beating up on UVA at home put themselves in a position to be considered in the tournament. Then they take care of business on the road in Tallahassee a couple days ago, and now the big test against Duke. If they beat Duke, I think they're in. I really believe they're in the tournament with a win over Duke. Uh, they, they have no good quad one wins. I get that. But Carolina is just too good to lead out of this tournament. And we all know that they are a massive brand name as I'm walking here in Chapel Hill, just footsteps away from their campus. Uh, they just, people love them. And, and you know, rightfully so. They're the national champion finalists last year. They have a great history. And if they could figure out this nucleus, and I'm not a, I think Pete Nance is the problem. I've said this before in your podcast. They could figure out Pete Nance's role. God, this team's really good, Kyle. I mean, if they can roll in as a nine seed or an eight seed somehow, they're dangerous to beat a team like Houston in the second round if that's who they were potentially matched up with. If North Carolina does beat Duke at home, they would be lined up as the sixth seed in the ACC tournament. Do you think they could win? They would have to play a first round matchup against a Virginia Tech or a Georgia Tech or someone like that. But yes. do you think that they could make a run to the semifinals, which would mean beating one of either Pitt, Miami or Virginia in the ACC tournament? 100%. 100%. I mean, listen, Carolina can win the ACC tournament just as easy, I think, as Purdue winning the Big Ten, right? So it's not a sure thing that Purdue's winning the Big Ten. It's not a sure thing that Carolina's winning the ACC, but I think you have to give them similar odds in the betting odds, in the betting market. Like, I would probably say Carolina's plus 250 if I had to make a number to win the AC tournament. I'd almost say Purdue is plus 175 or plus $2. So that's how much I covet North Carolina and their capability, right? They are so talented. They really only lost one guy from a team that reached the, 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 the national championship last year. So I, I do think they're capable, whether they're seated six or eight, it really doesn't matter because if they're seated eight, they may play Pitt in the second round. I think they'll beat Pitt on a neutral court. One of my favorite stats that I've heard is that Pitt's current starting five is older than the Oklahoma City Thunder starting five right now, which is excellent. That's very funny to think about. And Pitt right now is like a plus 1200 favorite to win the ACC tournament. So I'm guessing yeah. that Pitt's a feeling a little bit fraudulent, despite the fact that I think they're a win and in situation to win the regular season Big 12 championship or ACC championship. Well, they win games, Kyle. They win games. They don't lose games to bad teams. That's what the difference is, is you have teams like Carolina who have lost to bad teams throughout the duration of December and January, and Pitt has not stumbled against teams that, that they are expected to beat. And I'll give Capel a lot of credit there. They are a good team. They have a good nucleus of five guys, but it kind of ends there, right? Not a great bench, maybe. No, they have six guys. They have six really good players. Uh, maybe have the sixth man of the year that are Pitt. So, I, I don't I don't see them bowing out unless they put in, in the quarterfinals unless they had a really brutal matchup against Carolina, which by the way they they swept Carolina. You know they beat them at home by a good number of eight or seven or six, whatever that was, and then they 
found a way to win by one or two in Chapel Hill. So I'm not, I'm not saying Pitt can't beat Carolina, but certainly would be one of the tougher matchups in the quarterfinals for them. Yeah, and there's no greater sign of the hard times the ACC has fallen on than their potential regular season champion being on the nine line right now in, in March Madness with the right, Pitt and, Panthers. And, and then you have Duke on the flip side, right? I mean, Duke is probably, what, the fourth seed in the conference and, you know, they're trending upwards. I would put them on the five or six line. I know I know they're not the same Duke team that we've had in years, but Duke's playing really good basketball. Last night, getting the win against NC State, uh, really dominated that game. If you had Duke minus six and a half, oh, my God, you talk about horrific beats. NC State hits a three at the end of the game, but that game should never even come close to that. Duke really had a chance to run NC State out of the gym and just couldn't put it away the last two minutes of the game. Because at one point, NC State was down, I think, by 13 with about two-something to go. And NC State loses by four and wins the game when it comes to the betting market as a a six-and-a-half-point dog loses by four on a three-point shot. So um, Duke's trending upwards. I think I put Duke at it as a 5-6 seed. Where do these experts have them, like Lenardi? Lenardi, this is before last night's game, so I don't know how that okay. changes it. But Lenardi had him as a seven going into last night. Yeah. Well, NC State's a good win. I don't think you go from a seven to a five beating NC State at home. So maybe he would agree with me that they're deserving of a six seed. Uh, I mean, how can you not? I mean, they're they're winning a lot of games recently. They they hadn't they haven't lost a game at home this year, Kyle. Isn't that pretty remarkable? Uh, whether you like John Shire or not. Zero defeats in Cameron Indoor Stadium this year as the first-year coach. The other six seeds right now are Northwestern, Kentucky, and two teams that we talked about earlier, Iowa State and Creighton. So that seems to be kind of the group that Duke occupies right now is kind of in that 6-7 group where they uh, they feel good about their first-round matchup against you know one of the teams that goes to the first four in Dayton and then has to play against, uh, I don't know, Arizona or has to play against Kansas State or someone like that in the second round. Yeah, Duke capable, I think, of losing to any 10 or 11 seed, but also capable of beating Zona in the second round. So it's good. <laughs> I mean, you just these teams are they're Jekyll and Hyde. And we, have, we don't have a lot of teams this year that I truly trust. I mean, how can you trust Houston when they don't play anybody? You know, I know they're really good. You asked me a couple of weeks ago, like, who's the best offensive team in the in the country? It's probably Houston, but look who they play against. So I, I don't I don't have a ton of confidence in Houston, especially if they have a brutal second round uh, and, and, and a brutal four seed, right? Because you get a tough four seed, that makes things a lot more complicated on a neutral floor. But I think Duke is going to be fine in the tournament. Just just have to figure out a way to get through, you know, a round one matchup that could be tricky. Do you feel good about any of the top teams on the West Coast? And I say West Coast specifically because that's UCLA, Gonzaga, and St. Mary's at this point, and I, only one I, of them's in the yeah, Pac-12. I like UCLA a lot. That's an experienced team. Those that that group has been around forever. A heartbreaking loss to Carolina last year. Was that the Sweet Sixteen or the Elite Eight? I can't remember. Um, may have been the Elite Eight loss to Carolina, which was devastating for UCLA. Of course, even more devastating, the loss to Gonzaga in the COVID year, or I think it was COVID year. It was 2020. Was it 2020 or 2021? With the, uh, when it, was the to- it was the first year that the tournament had come back. Um, yeah, 2021. So it was 2021, 2021 yeah. with the the magical Cinderella UCLA team final four run as an 11 seed. Yeah. 11 seed that really is, was basically the same team last year and 
heartbreaking loss to just ridiculous loss to Gonzaga in the final four. I love this team, um, but I see signs of defensive breakdowns at times, even though you wouldn't expect it. Uh, I think Colorado should have beat them on Sunday afternoon. Thank God they did not because they had a nice UCLA play there. Uh, Colorado still covered the number, but didn't win the game. So I like them. I trust them more than Gonzaga. You know, we talked about Gonzaga on your pod last time. And again, this is not your older brother's Gonzaga team. <laughs> this is this is just a team that has the front court for Timmy is not there. The guard play is pretty good. And they've beat up now in the month of February. All the bad teams in the conference. The most impressive win, obviously, was last Saturday night. Um, St. Mary's at home. In order for Gonzaga to earn a three or four seed, they had to blow them out. And now as a two seed in the conference, they have to win the, the Vegas championship. And then I think Gonzaga deserves to be on the three line because they have taken care of business in February. But I trust UCLA more than both of those West Coast teams, such as St. Mary's and Gonzaga. UCLA is just a much better team. It seems like UCLA is almost a pencil in on the two line. I mean, the only other Pac-12 team in the top 25, I think, is Arizona. And oh, Arizona, you talk about that ending. My goodness, Arizona really <laughs> just—they have lost some really weird games to some pretty below-average teams in the conference. I think zone is good, but. There's something wrong there too, Kyle. There's something wrong in the kitchen. The recipe isn't all there for the Arizona Wildcats. I still think they are a team that can get you far in the tournament if they have the right matchups. But not in love with Arizona. Not in love with anybody in the Pac-12. I mean, Oregon? Oregon's pretty good. USC is pretty good. But where do those teams fall in the tournament? You can't be... Oregon's way out. Oregon's got yeah, no chance I mean, of making it. Yeah, where do you? I mean, where do you put USC? I mean, are you, I mean, you giving USC a fighting chance to play in the tournament? It seems like Arizona State is literally right on the bubble right now, which means yeah. a half court heave to beat Arizona is probably the reason that they're on the bubble right now. Yeah, and, uh, it's not a good conference. It's it's a very 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 low low depth conference, unfortunately, and usually has been pretty decent at times. But this is a bad year for the Pac twelve. So on the flip side, does that mean the Mountain West is the Mountain Best this year? No, no. It's oh, not darn it. Okay, no, it's not uh, I know San Diego. San Diego State's ranked, and they lost to Boise, and Boise will get in the tournament. How many teams make the tournament from the Mountain West this year? Uh, I think it's Boise, San Diego State, and maybe USU. Um, how are the Aggies looking to get to the dance? As I have no idea. They are currently yeah. uh, next four out, apparently, yeah, according to Lenardi. Yeah, that, that's it, though. I don't, I don't. I mean, am I missing someone here? New Mexico has really stumbled in February. They were the darlings of Christmas time, and now they have really fallen off the wagon. A good win last night against, I think, Fresno, but that doesn't get you anywhere in the tournament, uh, you know, resume talks. But I think it's going to be Boise. And uh, San Diego State, is that it from the Mountain West? Uh, Nevada's also probably going to get in. Nevada but... will get in. Okay, the Wolfpack, that's a pretty good team. That's a dangerous team. But I don't think Nevada, is ne Is Nevada like, are they, are they a sure thing? Are they a bona fide 10 seed right now with Lenardi? Uh, Lenardi has them on the 10 line. So he's got there him as go. a 10 seed right now. And, uh, yeah. They are, they've 
They've got the same conference record as well. No, Boise won yesterday. If Boise had lost, they would have had the same conference record. Oh, best same record overall as Nevada. Uh, Nevada's twenty two and eight. They'll be the three seed in the Mountain West tournament. So uh, maybe they'll maybe they'll beat Boise in the semifinal, and that'll lock them into the tournament. That's that's what it's that's it right there, right? So Nevada wins in Vegas against Boise on a neutral. Nevada's in, but if they lose to Boise. I think you have to look at the overall body of work for Nevada, and I, I, I think they are super bubbly. If you ask me, I don't, I can't put them in uh, unless they can reach the conference final championship. Any other teams that you find interesting here down the stretch uh, that we haven't mentioned yet? Maybe a conference not getting the love they deserve. Anything you, as a gambler, might find interesting? Well, Kent State wins a lot of games, Kyle. Uh, you know, I don't know how they'll do. In the in the dance, um, but they're pretty good. I mean, they they figure out ways to win. Uh, they I, I'd like to see where they're you know Kent State Toledo both right up there. I mean, I didn't mention Toledo, but I like Kent State a little bit more than Toledo out of the Mid American. Um, be curious to see who wins that game in Cleveland, that championship game. I, I would I, I think I lean towards Kent State the way they're playing right now. If I look at Kent State's record, I feel like you know in February. They may have had one loss only, um, and the, so they're figuring out ways to win in, in the conference. Um, Toledo's playing really good ball too. Toledo's one of those teams that you know Kent State did beat recently. So I think that Kent State, even though they're not the one seed in the in the, in the Mid American, they'll probably be on the two line. But I think they're going to be the slight favorite to win that conference championship. And uh, I believe it's in Cleveland. So uh, you know, don't you know that. Those teams are dangerous as 11, 12, as 12. They're not going to be 11 seed. You know, as a 13 seed, right? A Kent State, uh, probably a team that that not many people want to play. Um, you know, there's just nothing. FAU is the best story maybe in college basketball. Um, you know, Florida Atlantic is, is going to get to the dance, hopefully, um, you know, with winning their conference championship. And I, I think deserving – with, as a single digit seed, maybe a nine seed, Kyle. FAU is a good team, man. They have run through Conference USA pretty easily. Um, as far as the American goes, I think Memphis is dangerous. Uh, that's you know Tulane has has had too many hiccups there. I don't really like Cincinnati that much. The the, the American Conference is probably probably a two team bid. Where does Lenardi have Tulane? Because I, I feel like that's a dangerous team that if they get in, could scare someone, but at, at the same time, they're capable of losing to a team like Tulsa. He's got Tulane not on the uh, on the graphic, not in the tournament, yeah, not in the yeah. first four in, nothing. That's tough. Yeah, so unfortunately, they're they're pretty much donezo. Uh, Missouri Valley, you know, nothing stands out to me there. I think Bradley and Drake are the only two viable teams that – that have a chance to 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 get to the tournament, uh, obviously having to win their their conference championship. So nothing there truly uh, stands out. Um, I'm thinking of other other conferences that that we anything fun in the A10 this year? Anything? Yeah, cool? yeah. The A10, you know, VCU is a good team, man. They 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 take care of business. I think Dayton and VCU are probably the the teams to beat. And I think that's always in Brooklyn, right? Uh, the A-10 championships, they play where the Brooklyn Nets have their home games. Fordham is a great story. I mean, Fordham has been a horrible team for decades, it seems like, and they should be on the three line 
in that tournament. I, I think they're the third or fourth best team in the A-10. They're, they're a very good story. I think Richmond and Davidson have been massive disappointments. But the big disappointment of the A-10, welcome to the A-10, Sister Jean. Uh, you have stunk it up. I mean, you have. They they may be. The, are they last place? Because they are. They are currently dead last in the yeah, Atlantic Ten in their first year. Which, in fairness to them, their coach left. All their players yes. transferred. One of them came yeah. out here to my school, UC Davis, and uh, seems like that program just kind of like tore it apart once uh, Porter Mosier left for Oklahoma. Yeah, I mean it's a mess over there, but I mean they should have they they probably could have done better than last place in the A10. Yeah, <laughs> uh, you know, so I, I think VCU should should earn a spot. Uh, does Lenardi have VCU in there as a? I would imagine got probably a ten seed. Is that fair to say? Or eleven? He's got him on the twelve line as the automatic qualifier. Wow. Okay, so not a lot of respect for VCU there. They probably don't have many quad one wins, but. It's also I mean, a one they, bid they, conference. It's a one bid conference, and you know they they figure out ways. To, hey, watch out for Vermont. I mean, Vermont's running through the America East. You know, Vermont's going to give. It could give someone some problems as a 14 seed. That's typically what teams like Vermont do. Every Vermont's year. just they, one of those teams, man. Whenever I see them on the tournament, I always got to think twice about picking them for an upset because, you know, once every five years, they're good for a first round upset. <laughs> they are. And I'll give you another team, Kyle. Um, I like the College of Charleston. They're they're a good team. I mean, they have run through this conference Fairly easily, but so has Hofstra. Hofstra out of, out of the uh, Colonials, pretty good too. Uh, if Charleston can get through their conference championship, um, I, I think they're deserving of a seed that shouldn't be below 12. I think Charleston is a 12 seed. Where does Lenardi have Charleston right now? He has them out right now with Utah State and Clemson as like the, the so, fifth or sixth team out. Well, he would have to have a, a, a Colonial team in. Would that be Hofstra? As his Hofstra team would be... Yes, Hofstra would be on the 13 line. Right. So I'm I'm surprised by that. Let's just throw that out. Um I know that they're probably very I, I would assume that Hofstra is the the one seed in the in the in the Colonial, maybe Charleston's a two seed, but uh I, I think that the team to beat is Charleston and I think that Charleston if they if they can emerge win the conference championship, I would I would consider them as a 12 or 13 as well. Yeah, what's interesting is that Charleston has a 28 and 3 record uh, on the season. The thing is, um, they both them and Hofstra have matching sixteen and two conference records. Oh, so wow, I okay. guess according yeah. to tiebreaker, Hofstra gets the one seed and Charleston's the two. Sure, no, no, that's fair. And let's go back to the SEC real quick. And, I, and I'm going to give a lot of credit to uh, to, to Texas A&M. That 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 team was a disaster uh, non conference play early on. Some horrific losses. They have figured it out. They are going to be the clear number two seed. Uh, in the SEC championship, in the SEC conference tournament. Um, do I trust AM a ton in either Nashville or the Big Dance? No, but Texas AM looked horrific Thanksgiving through Christmas time, and they've they've rolled through this conference. I think they're they're I mean they, they they've only had maybe three or four losses in conference play. And then of course let's give Kentucky some props. Kentucky was really struggling early on in January. Bad loss to Michigan State when they were up big in, in late November. 
bad losses early on in conference play, losing the UGA, getting run out of the gym in Athens, Georgia. And the last four games, they have really come to play. They have been some pretty good teams. Uh, UK is dangerous. I think Alabama's better than UK. I think UK can certainly beat Texas A&M. So um, the, the top four in the SEC, that's an intriguing final four if they all can emerge. Alabama, A&M, Kentucky, Tennessee. I think any one of those teams can, can, can win that. But it's going to be Big Blue Nation in Nashville, Tennessee. I can promise you that. It's going to be Big Blue crowd. You know, It's going to take over Nashville, Tennessee. Does Texas A&M still have that funny-looking coach who used to be at Virginia Tech? Is yeah, he, Buzz. He... Yeah, Buzz, they do. Yeah, yeah absolutely. He's yeah, one of my yeah. favorites. Yeah. <laughs> well, he's... Dude, he's a hard-nosed coach. Uh, he's a he's a hard-nosed coach, and uh, he's done a great job wherever he has been. Vir- Virginia Tech earned some uh, tickets to the dance under his tutelage, and now, uh, listen, AM's good man. Dexter Dennis is a really good. Was he a super senior? Great guard play. Wade Taylor the fourth is another great guard. A uh, little bit of depth here. Here, Henry Coleman, the the big forward, uh, Julius Marble. I I don't know how much I trust them, Kyle, but, you know, listen, it's, again, I say this all the time, it's all about matchups in the big dance. If A&M matches up well against a three seed, if they're a six seed, then, hey, why not? Why can't A&M, if if Miami can go to the Elite Eight in 2022, why not A&M to the Elite Eight in 23? So A&M's a good story. What's the the deal with Auburn this year? I know they're kind of, like, fluctuating. Yeah, I'm not impressed with Auburn this year. I mean, they've had a lot of weird games, some bad losses, run out of the gym against UK in their last game, uh, barely beating Mississippi, losing to Vanderbilt. They've been, they beat the crap out of a very good Missouri team, had chances against Alabama, couldn't pull that off. I don't know. I don't know what's going on with this uh, Auburn team, but I think last year they were they were average, and you know they had their they they had a really good start to the season. And I think that I think if I remember correctly, they were the number one or two seed in the SEC um, tournament last year, and they got blown out by Texas A and M when A and M was I think a seven or eight seed. So um, I, I think Auburn's just you know one of those teams that got to the Final Four a few years ago, should have beat Virginia in that game. They that uh, I think a pretty pretty tough call by the referee when UVA hit those uh, hit those three free throws to take the game to overtime against uh, against Auburn. But um, I, I think that I think that Auburn has overachieved under Bruce Pearl, which is a you know great thing to to make the Final Four, get to the Big Dance nearly every year. But this team is just discombobulated is the best way to describe it. They have looked so awful at times. A team that I don't trust to do really much in the SEC championships. Well, his name is Razor Rosenthal. He joins us every couple weeks or so to talk about the NFL or college basketball or tennis or any of his other gambling expertise is on the way out the door. Do you have a parlay for tonight, even though people are going to be listening to this the day ooh, after it's already ooh, come out? Wow. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's funny. I haven't really I've been uh, focusing primarily on tennis today because all the tennis plays are in the morning and during the day. Uh, we can throw out a money line parlay that can get you close to, you know, not even money, but maybe minus two dollars. And I'll, I'll throw out uh, Alabama as they we just talked about <laughs> this Auburn team. Auburn is coming to Alabama. Alabama probably going to be laying minus three fifty. You're going to have to marry them with a, another team that's that's available. I'm looking at the schedule right now for you, Kyle. Um, I'll, I'll I would say that probably a team that I like to that tonight. To win outright would be Missouri at home, uh, only laying five. So Missouri laying, uh, excuse me, Missouri at, on the road at LSU. 
I know that's dicey, but I'm going to go with an SEC money line parlay that's going to get this down, this number down to minus 200. I'm going Alabama, Missouri, LSU. Yes, it is senior night down in Baton Rouge, but this is a bad LSU team in Missouri. Kind of in that gotta have it mode, right? I mean, Missouri's probably in the tournament. I think they are, um, but they are, you know, they're a five team in the SEC. I think they're the fifth seed in the SEC. They should be. There aren't any other. Lenardi's got them on the eight right now. There you go. So this is the game where if you lose to a bad LSU team and you lose early on in the SEC conference championships, that could be a little bit of troublesome for Missouri. This is this is a you got to you got to got to win this game. Let's go with the team that that wants to stay in the in the spot they're in right now. They they could maybe improve their seed with a few wins down in Nashville. Missouri and Alabama money line parlay is probably going to be minus one eighty to two dollars. That's probably something I'm going to put together this afternoon. That is Razor Rosenthal. He's got all of your expertises, and I hope you enjoy your conference championship week and renting out a bar and enjoying all the fun (laughs) there is to have over there in North Carolina. Yeah, it's going to be great, Kyle. Look forward to chatting with you. Let's chat maybe before the uh, after the tournament uh, brackets are released. Uh, just it's best time of the year. Let's uh, let's all enjoy it. Gamble responsibly. Have fun. Look at those money line parlays and those quarterfinals of conference championship weeks. And I think you'll be in good shape if you're uh, willing to bet them. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.